Hey everyone, welcome to Be The Change. My name is Lily Mott, and today I'm going to be talking about how change comes when you put yourself first. My guest this week is Kiara Williams, who is a co-founder and now the president of an organization called Warriors in the Garden, which is a collective of activists who are committed to nonviolent protest. Kiara has a really interesting background and I really enjoyed talking with her about her work. So without further ado, let's get started with this episode featuring Kiara Williams. I'm Kiara Williams. I'm 21 years old from Queens, New York, and I'm an activist, but I'm an activist, of course, for Black liberation, but I also care um, about all people of color around the world, not just America, um, because the way reality is, is that if you're not white, you're suffering in some shape or form, and I don't think it's a competition of who's struggling and suffering the worst. I think it's a um, let's all collectively work towards not suffering because um, everyone knows that Black people suffer the most. Like everyone knows that that's not something that's unknown. Um, well, not everyone, but you know, the right side. But there's other communities of color that's also suffering. And my main goal is Black liberation, but I do like to help out. For example, like the Abolish ICE or Free Palestine right now, or um, even End Asian Hate. Like I've organized and I've supported all of the efforts here in New York City um, and the online efforts with the social media campaigns. But my organization that I co-founded is Warriors in the Garden, and I am now the president of Warriors in the Garden. And I think co-founding a nonprofit at 20 definitely wasn't in my life plan. <laughs> But I love my organization so much and I love how much we have the ability to inspire people and I love how much we can bring people together. Thank you for that introduction and I'm really excited to be talking with you. I would love to dive in deeper and have you tell me some about your background. You said that starting a nonprofit at the age of 20 wasn't really something that you had predicted and I'd really like to know more about the experiences that you've had that brought you to this point where you felt like you needed to start Warriors in the Garden and you needed to get involved in the activism space. So can you tell me a little bit more about how you got to this point? Yeah, so I've never really been an activist, but I've always been vocal um, before George Floyd's murder. It was Ahmaud Aubrey. It was just a lot of Black people being murdered for no reason that really upset me. And I would talk about it. Um, I would share things. I would like promote anti-racism. I think what happened is that, you know, George Floyd's murder was everywhere. And it was just like months after Ahmaud Aubrey and nobody nobody really knew about Breonna Taylor but she was murdered first before George Floyd and I've been really upset because I didn't even know about her until the movement and when George Floyd had got murdered on May 25th New York had an action on May 29th at Barclays and I told myself before I went outside I would watch the video because I didn't watch the video when it was circulating because I just couldn't do it and then when I watched the video, I was fuming. I was so upset. So I went outside and 
I I marched and I yelled at cops and um, you know, then things just started going crazy. Like the first initial day, that was my first ever protest. I did not know the police brutality was gonna be like that. I got pepper sprayed six times that night. I saw them push elderly black women to the ground um, for no reason. I had like night nightsticks shoved into my back. I saw them push a woman out of her sandals because they were like arresting and them as the NYPD, of course. Um, and they were arresting and like beating someone up on the sidewalk. So we're marching and we all stop to turn because we just hear yelling. The cop car pulls up, just opens the door and pushes her so far. And I was like seeing all of that on the first night. I was like, oh no, I have to go outside again. And then I started to see the narrative that they were putting out there on the movement and on like protesting, like calling us looters and rioting. And, you know, that's not really what happened. People were looting. But then I learned about the nonviolent aspect of it and how we have to keep that going because they will always try to promote us as violent because we're trying to change the things they're comfortable with. Them is the media in this case. And then on the third day or fourth day, I think my friend called me up and he was like, hey, I want you to be in this thing because you've been outside. And I was like, okay. And next thing I know, I was adding to Warriors in the Garden group chat and we like led 20,000 people um, our first day together as a group. And from there, I was like, okay, I like, I think we can keep going um, because a lot of people in New York City just gravitated towards our energy and towards our, our feelings and our emotions. And then from there, things just skyrocketed. But the first initial thing that made me want to keep going outside was George Floyd's murder. Yeah, thank you for sharing all of that and for recounting it for me. And you talk some about how Warriors in the Garden was founded, but I'd love to know more about how the group came together, maybe what you're working on now with the organization, where you see it going. Just kind of tell me more about Warriors in the Garden. So we all did not know each other. We are we were all strangers. And um, the only person I did know was the person who called me and was like, hey, like I think you should be in this thing. Um, but it wasn't on a personal level. It was just like a high school acquaintance who I haven't spoken to in years who just saw me outside on Instagram. And then after we led our first march, we just kept going. Like it was every day we would just be outside all together. And the name, our name Warriors in the Garden was just so easy to remember. And it has like, it had a thing to it that people liked. So it just started to get a lot of gravitation. And we had... I've organized so many marches and so many rallies and so many sit-ins and I've done some mutual aid stuff within my organization. And right now it, it got a little harder after the summer because people had to figure out how they were going to pay their rent, their bills. So a lot of people became inactive in the group and it was just like me and a few other people, like maybe four that dropped to two during the winter months. And um, I'm talking like maybe October to February, um, March even, that was just doing the heavy, like on the ground frontline social media work. And now we're focused on, you know, all of our anniversaries are coming up. All of the organizations in New York City's anniversaries are coming up. And then just how to move forward. 
thank you for explaining all of that. And the story about how you all came together is so interesting. So I'd also love to talk some about Black Mental Health NYC and the process to create that and where you're hoping to go with that project. Can you talk about why it's so important to emphasize and focus on mental health, particularly in the Black community? Can you maybe tell me some about why mental health is such an important component of your activism? Well, honestly, even before activism, I wanted to be a therapist. Like I was in college for psychology. But then during my activism, it was like maybe three months in, in August, I started to get so tired and just burnt out. And like, I just, I was trying to figure out what I like to do. Like I lost my interests. I lost... Like, I felt like I lost a part of me because I was so consumed with activism. So I had like left for a week to Chicago and a woman that's been supporting me actually helped me pay for that trip. So I was able to go away for a week and detach and figure out what I like to do and like kind of recenter myself. When I came back, it was like I was just back to myself, but I also knew the importance of taking a break. And actually taking a break, not just deleting social media for a week. For activists, it's not that easy. I think for anyone, it's really not that easy. Like, to me, a break is really just going away and exploring yourself. And as I was doing activism, I realized how low resources are in the Black community. And at first, I was doing the project for activists because that's how I felt moved by to help people so that they wouldn't be burnt out in this fight because we need everyone for the long run. But then I realized, oh, like it's really hard for Black people to find a good therapist if you don't have thousands of dollars or hundreds of dollars. And so my initial idea was to first build the social following and then work from there to get the funds But I realized I just didn't want to wait that long and I didn't want to have to keep giving energy to making graphics or or figuring out information or coordinating with the people who helped make the graphics. Um, Because of the work I'm doing in Warriors in the Garden, it was just too much to balance. So I just started to focus on making it a huge database online that only people of color can access. And it's just going to be like pages and pages of long of therapists, counselors, whatever they specialize in is going to be listed, their age, maybe like two sentences about them, um, and a phone number you can contact to set up a meeting. And the way I want it to work is that they like people who are looking for this resource would not have to worry about paying for it. So I was going to start doing the grant process. That's also so time consuming. So since I told you before, there's like three people, including me, really running Warriors in the Runner right now. I can't focus on Black mental health right now because of the lack of activity in the group. So that's where I'm at with that. But I do want to get it up and running by next year, hopefully, if I have the time. And if I can find more people to be in my organization, that would be really helpful. That's so interesting, and I really hope that it gets off the ground because the mission is amazing. And I'd also love to get your take on what are some of the best ways for white allies in particular to show their support for people of color? 
What are the best ways for people to show their support, to get involved? Do you have any advice? Yeah, so a lot of white allies um, in New York City have gotten really comfortable because they've been with us since the beginning. But for anyone who is white listening, remember that your privilege still exists. Um, Remember the spaces you are in. Remember who you are bringing harm to whenever you interact with a person of color with your words. Really, like you really have to second guess um, every time you speak to a person of color because you do not know it, what you're saying is har- harmful or not. And I'm also just speaking from experience. And also just amplify Black voices, amplify Brown voices, amplify all of these voices that are muffled. And if you see anyone struggling, figure out how you can help them. Also, you can start organizing in your community. You don't have to just come to a march, come to a march, come to a march, come to a march. You can hold rallies within your own community and teach people what you're learning from grassroots organization and grassroots activists, because that's truly how we can build a better world. And I tell people all the time, White racist people will not listen to people of color. They hate us. They will only listen to people who look like them. And if it gets to the point where they're not listening, then you know what kind of person they are. But you can help out too. You don't have to be afraid to use the voice that you have and the privilege you have to help spread the information that you're learning from the movement. Definitely. And I think that's great advice. And I'm going to ask for some more advice now. But there are lots of young people especially college students and people who are our age who want to make a difference and they want to create change but may not really know where to get started. Do you have any advice for those types of people? Yes. So when I started, and I feel like a lot of young activists about this, when we all started um, last summer, it felt so different than how it feels now. Organizing is actually a lot much more work than just marching, marching, marching every day. So you have to be prepared for that. And you also have to be prepared to, to um, pick up on the cues of when you need to stop um, and when you need to put yourself first, because it is so easy, so, so easy to get consumed by this work, especially if you're really passionate. And not that it's a like a bad thing, but we're in our youth and we only have one life. So we have to remember to enjoy the life we have in this horrible world that we're trying to change. Kiara has an amazing story, and I'm so excited to follow along with her work and see where she takes her organizations. I want to really highlight everything Kiara said about mental health and taking care of yourself while trying to make change. It's easy to become consumed by all of the problems in the world and all of the hardships people are facing, but it's so important that you check in with yourself and take a break if you need it. Always prioritize your mental health and do what's best for you, because change comes when you put yourself first. Thank you so much for listening to this episode, and you can follow Kiara on Instagram at It's Kiara Williams to get connected with her. If you want to talk about anything I mentioned, please reach out to me by email at lily at bethechangepodcast.org or on Instagram at bethechangepodcast. Tune in for my next episode, but until then, be the change you wish to see in the world.
Bye, guys.